Hello and you are listening to Kids From Yesterday podcast. My name is Cloda. My name is Courtney. And today we are going to be talking about diverse voices in alternative music. Um, so unless you've been living under a fucking rock for the last 15, well, no, it'll probably be nearly three weeks by the time this episode goes out. Um, Black Lives Matter is basically like the fact of it. It's the movement. It's the everything. So um, like the last the last episode we recorded, we recorded it like the day that everything kicked off. Yeah. I think so like we hadn't even mentioned it on the episode that's how literally like how much everything has changed kind of in the last little while so I think my idea I mean we talked about this I would say a year ago where we were coming up with episode ideas and we were saying you know we should really do an episode where we like talk to like various people of color like black people and like people who are in the scene who and like talk about how it feels to be in the scene and we kind of like suggested it as an idea and we didn't do it and that is like entirely on us that we didn't mm-hmm. um but I suppose this episode I thought it would be a good idea for me and you because we are both white people to yeah. have a discussion to our probably majorly white audience I'm pretty sure like from the Spotify analytics it seems to be that like it's people around our age and probably mostly white people that it would make sense for us to use this space to have a conversation about the shit that we've learned in the last two weeks and what you can continue to do to learn going forward because um a lot of what I've seen from black people on the internet is that like it's not just like straight up racism in terms of like it's not just people being killed it's it's so much more than that it's so nuanced and it's so detailed and it's about fucking time that white people start paying attention so I thought let's have a conversation about this and then put it on the internet so that other white people can learn from it so that black people don't have to do all the work. Exactly. Like, it's definitely, I've seen something earlier, it was like, white supremacy isn't going to go away until white people realise that it's our problem and not the problem of black people. And definitely we have seen, like, even, we had talked about this before, like, we wanted to obviously, when we came up with the idea for this podcast, we wanted to make sure that it was something that was diverse, something that was kind of looked at, emo from all different angles and alternative music from different angles in terms of the the shortcomings and the <clears throat> the fallings that it has had in terms of you know things that have affected us misogyny um fat phobia the mental health issues everything like that but there's also this wider um spectrum of things that have been going on like that in in the emo scene it is predominantly white men who are at the forefront of the scene um us as white women we know that we've had I guess even in terms of I was looking at something earlier today and it was like th- this is an example of white privilege it's not just the fact that you don't you know you're not getting killed because of your skin color you're not getting discriminated or, or having slurs thrown at you it's simple things like you can go we can go into a shop and we can find tights that match your skin tone yeah. we can find plasters that match your skin tone we can most likely we can find um foundation that matches their skin tone hair products that match our, our our hair texture and different things like that so it's not just about that it's about representation and it's about 
more than not being racist it's about platforming and helping black people to raise their voices and obviously it wouldn't be I don't feel like it would have been right for us to for our next episode to be anything but this because this is probably one of the biggest social justice movements that has happened in our time um it's one of the biggest things that's happening in their hit this is going to go down in history in terms of everything that's going on so it wouldn't be right for us to brush over that and pretend that that's not happening we absolutely need to take um responsibility of pushing this narrative because we have you know in terms of black lives matter and representation because we have this platform and although it may not be as big as other platforms we still feel like it's our duty to talk to our listeners about it so today Courtney um, and I are going to discuss and as well we kind of felt that it wasn't the right time either to ask a black person to come into this conversation and trudge up all their traumas because no from the black people I follow and the black my black friends and stuff and everything I've seen they've been saying they're exhausted they're just tired at this point they're fighting for their existence um and to be recognized as being allowed to exist in this world and exist in this country with us um as as their authentic selves um and whether that's you know in terms of their Africanness you know I've had a friend of mine say to me that she feels like she's kind of um pushed out of conversations and in the community because she's more westernized and there's all those problems that are being dredged up for black people right now um in their own community so we feel like we we will leave that conversation for now we definitely will go into it at a later stage because it's something we want to address but for now we are going to do our best to platform diverse voices within alternative music and tell you a little bit about the conversations they've been having and a little bit about who you can go and you can support yeah the music that you're going to fall in love with because we have yeah this last week like we found some amazing ba- like I mean I say we found like other white people have also been doing the work and yeah. we'll reference that later on too but it's just there is so much out there and I think we said this on an episode fucking ages ago and it was about girls in music and you kept saying if you can't see it you can't be it mm-hmm. and like you know you could argue that oh maybe there's just not enough support behind these bands or maybe it's systemic racism because like these mm-hmm. bands are like they've been out there they're amazing we could say like this band sounds like this other white band that you like and you know it's and it's there's no reason why they don't have this really big following mm-hmm. apart from the fact that like basically all the stuff we're going to want to talk to you about today um so i saw we'd actually decided to this episode and then i saw that emo night la you know of the famed night of emos (laughs) where they all go and they they i don't know you ever see videos of like your favorite bands and stuff and they're they're at emo night and like it just it just looks like it's really fun because the like thing that we have here in ireland is um was it even fucking called a sabotage Oh, sabotage! Yeah, yeah, we have sabotage. There's another one that comes over. They tour the UK and they come here sometimes. What are they called? Um, they do like an. They, remember they did like the the Michael mm. Romance night last year and stuff like yeah. that. I can't remember what they're called, but they basically come here and they put on like emo nights. Yeah, and it's really cool. And I actually think there is an emo night on somewhere else in Dublin. I don't know. We're gonna look all this up and we're gonna put it all on our various social media channels because we actually need to maybe do the work on learning where all this shit is in our own country. <laughs> Um, but this was really cool. I saw this being posted. It was I actually saw Jason Jason Elon Butler from Fever Three Three Three, who I've mentioned a lot on this podcast because I fucking love them. And I like basically in our house, like if if me or Michael say Jason, we mean 
Jason Butler. <laughs> he does not know Jason. us personally. He does not know us personally. We're like, oh, Jason said this thing. And I was like, oh, yeah, Jason, obviously. Um, I saw him post and it was a, um, a panel on racism in the punk and alternative scene. Um, it had Jason from Fever. It had Hanif um, Abdurraqib. He's a writer and an essayist. And I've just followed. I, I can't believe I've never heard of this guy before. Because he's just like, everything he says is like fucking amazing. Um, there was Sky Accord from Issues. They had Aaron Brown, who's um, from Emo Night himself. Like, I think he actually may have set up Emo Night. Um, and then they had Jordan Calhoun from Heart Like War. And it was moderated by Courtney Coles. And I think you will really like this, Coda. Um, she's a photographer and she's the co-founder of To The Front DIY, which is a traveling art show showcasing women and non-binary creatives in the industry, which I just think is really fucking cool. That is pretty cool. Yeah, I thought you would like that a lot because I was yeah, like, oh, I a thought- fun fact for Clara. <laughs> um, so this was like, it was like two hours. Um, it took me a couple of days to listen to it because I've just been really sick the last few days. Um, but they basically, it was just a room led by black voices where... These were the only people in the room having this conversation and I felt like a fucking privilege to be able to listen to this to be to be like perfectly honest because like as we said a few minutes ago black people are tired like this must be fucking every single time this happened like I mean I remember um, like Trayvon Martin being killed and like being murdered sorry we should really use the right language like he what I remember when Draymond Martin was murdered and I remember kind of the the beginnings of the movements and how like stuff progressed over the last while and I just feel like um like if if we're kind of aware of it from like cultural moments how fucking exhausted must people be for like your entire life yeah to just be this like I don't know so this was an incredible privilege to be able to see this and um so they were kind of first asked what makes this uprising different um and sky accord said that um it's the partially the internet because obviously there's videos and stuff that spread around Mm. um and it's the fact that white people care yeah which is I think right as well and I don't know I think from our perspective here in Ireland it was the fact that there was a video of a white woman proving that the thing of like what we've been like what's been said for years that like white women are, are calling and crying and pretending that they're being attacked um and then obviously the murder of George Floyd like that's I think it was the two things together and also the fact that people are at home because there is a pandemic still going on that kind of let people go well actually no fuck this um which is amazing um but like he kind of went on to say that like he had a lot of white people checking in on him being like oh are you okay but he was like look I I appreciate that you're angry but like this shit is not new um and that like he's always feeling this level of outrage so whatever white people are feeling right now this is like <laughs> welcome to my world kind of thing yeah. Yeah. Um, it's totally understandable like I I think it's I think a lot of people just woke up all of a sudden two weeks ago like yeah. they woke up and went oh my god the world is not equal and it's like welcome to the party but like I think everybody like every white person is guilty of this in some way like I think yeah that's like a really hard thing for a lot of people to confront as well that it's it's like you might be aware of the overt racism but like you haven't thought about the smaller stuff that the microaggressions the things that are like this shit that makes shit like difficult for people day to day yeah Um, and that's a really hard thing for some people to sit with but I think it's just a case of like if you can have conversations with your white, white friends about it do that and then don't take that to black people because like what the fuck are you doing yeah, <laughs> kind yeah, yeah. Of... They're, they're exhausted and they don't have to again like we said this is like a, this is a white problem yeah this, this is literally is a white problem it's, it's up to us to kind of fix it and talk to each other about it yeah. 
Um, so he kind of went on to say that, yeah, the internet facilitated the videos, made it really hard to explain away. Like you can't. But I think this is really interesting because from an American's perspective, you can go, yes, this is happening with the police all the time. Here are all these videos. And then you come to Ireland and you have Irish people saying, well, Ireland's not a racist country. And you're like, yes, it fucking is. <laughs> and it's the same with the UK. And like, I think the fact that we're kind of stuck on this part of the quote-unquote debate because it's not a fucking debate it's this, this they're like people are racist white people are racist there is a white supremacy issue and we need to fucking fix it that's the there is no debate about that and um, i guess the only debate really can be how rather than the whether it exists or not but that yeah. doesn't seem to stop people um so he kind of went on to say then the only people with the real power to change this are the people who created the system in the first place that's exactly the point that like i mean we aren't the four fathers of the world who've like founded different countries and colonized everything but we still are, like benefit from the system so it's i think that's like another thing people kind of need to get over as well the idea that yes you didn't personally do any of the horrible things but you currently benefit from the system that upholds the status quo of this where like a lot of our beliefs come from yeah like fusty old dudes years ago who just went you know what I'm gonna steal a country today and like you know we have to do something to fix that because like that's not okay and continuing to believe that that is okay in some way is what's making shit a problem yeah um so then jason went on to say he believes whiteness is a construct so that it's like a wash over construct of power and i think this is really interesting because there are a lot of um like academic books i'm gonna i think what we'll do over the next like week when this episode airs we'll post like a list of books you can read because some of them are free at the moment like verso books are releasing books for free um some places are releasing books on like um like police abolition and stuff and like this is going to be like a really steep learning curve but rather than sitting down and going i need to read all the books right now i think like taking one and going i'm going to focus i'm going to read this book on race or i'm going to read this book on police abolition and then the next thing i'm going to move on to is this and this and this and this is how you keep learning about stuff um, which I think is like a thing that I don't know, Claudia. Like, do you read nonfiction often, or like, do you have like, is that a part of your life? Is that how you? Yeah, definitely. I mean, I'm like to drink books, so I will get it, and I will, especially if it's nonfiction, and just kind of consume it and and have it in my head. And I guess a lot of the time as well, and I guess even in terms of when you evolve, even let's say the first time I realized. Um, feminism was a thing and I first got involved in feminism and I realized I was reading these books by like Lena Dunham and Caitlin Moran and and people like that and as I kind of progress you kind of realize hey these are white voices these are white middle class voices I need to listen to women different women with different opinions and I think the last feminist book quote-unquote that I bought was um it's pink is not what is that one like it's like a it's like a compilation of like stories and it's like, like feminists don't wear pink or yeah, something. That one. yeah and I was reading it and I was like hold on these are more white feminist middle class opinions I don't need them I understand this now it's time to move on and kind of get into more things like that like to do with race and to do with gender issues that I'm not while I am obviously aware of them I'm not 100% clued in on them and I don't really know much about them so it's time to kind of progress and I feel like definitely in terms of learning about race I mean you need to start at the bottom and understand what white privilege is white supremacy and eventually you'll kind of realize that you're knowing these things you know you can have these conversations with white people and then kind of get to grips and understanding with it and at that point you can kind of branch out and read into books about 
deeper things like um defunding the police and things like that and even like trying to figure out even now on my you know people might be like oh defund the police what the hell where would what would happen who would solve those murders <laughs> white be- women with podcasts <laughs> it's white women with podcasts. honestly like and i actually seen another one and it was like oh if we get rid of um the police uh what'll happen with rapists and somebody was like well hopefully they won't make it to be president or something like that I was like, <laughs> oh, but you know it's, it's definitely a thing that we need to do is we need to have these uncomfortable realizations with ourselves yeah. Um, and challenge where are these thoughts coming from like where did I pick up the idea of this particular stereotype or why am I thinking this particular thing about this group of people and kind of challenging that and I think a lot of us as well we grew up with like when we were very young there wasn't many black people in Ireland there wasn't I think there was I don't think I actually went to school with a black person till like maybe second class um there was nobody in our class there was nobody and you know there was this kind of I guess learned racism from her even though it may not have been um intentional in quotes but definitely something that kind of you grow up seeing you know being a product of white supremacy of seeing yourself as a white person higher in the hierarchy than a black person because of things that you were kind of thought when you were growing up um and that's just really important for people to realize that now as the country being as diverse as it is that things need to change and it's definitely different between here and America like like yes you might not have police officers murdering you know black people on the street and holding them down by the neck maybe that isn't happening here but there are definitely other things in terms of uh systemic racism in the police in the in the guardy and in kind of how they manage things and, and stuff like that so it is something that we need to educate ourselves on and the only way we can do that is to talk to each other and then listen to black people and what they have to say and I think the best way to do that right now is to read stuff that they have written or podcasts um you know speeches they've given because again they're just exhausted and it's not up to them to educate us on it if they want if they have already produced content then absolutely go and consume that and read about it and learn. Um, but that's because, you know, they, they've already produced that and they want us to learn from that, but not necessarily. I don't, we're not telling you to go to your black friend and say, hey, I have all these questions because that's not what the right thing to do right now is. No, no. no. Um, um, I think actually it's a really interesting point that you just made about um, like learning about feminism. And I think that's where a lot of young people start. Like they start going, hey, this is an injustice, especially for white people in particular. Hey, this is an injustice I have noticed. I'm now going to go learn about this. And then I think you get to a point where you go, well, I've learned about all the white people problems. Exactly. And then then you become aware. And I think this is like a thing. It is unfortunately a really fucking slow process. But I think for people right now, you kind of have to speed it up a little bit in terms of like your learning or your attempts to learn or your open. I think it's really a case of openness to learn. Yeah. Um, because I have seen tweets that are like, oh, white people be like, you know, oh, like, um, uh, be nice to me. I'm still learning. And they're like, what is this extended course that you're taking and not being racist? <laughs> like, <laughs> like, OK, um, like I've seen some really funny tweets. Like there was another one that was like all these people that are pledging to anti-racism. Do you think black people are scrolling their timeline? And they're like, yes, we've got Matt. <laughs> it's, like, it's, it's just it's funny because it's like um, 
we're always gonna be made fun of for being really fucking like slow to to pick up stuff um but like definitely the point about feminism and then branching into understanding of gender issues and like disability and like specifically trans issues is that's a really very fucking hot topic at the moment unfortunately because of reasons that I just like we can't have this conversation right now we're that we're going to table that for another day um but all of the, the thing about this is like when you were learning about different areas of uh, the, the tweet I saw that summed it up the best was um once black women are free everybody will be free and that is so fucking true it's so true because like trans black women like that's an issue those are like oh, trans black women are being killed um like trans no sorry black disabled women obviously trans black disabled women also exist but like you know disability is a fucking like it's a white supremacy there's so many things that like stem from white supremacy that we can't even begin to understand like it's fucking just like (laughs) we have to like this is the thing we have to understand but I can I can imagine like I mean um I don't know when I started consciously reading books by black people now it's just kind of like a thing that I do like I pick up books or whatever it's like the first book on race I read was Rennie Edolage's um why I'm no longer talking to white people mm-hmm. fucking amazing I, I think it's sold out everywhere at the moment um I think I borrowed it from the library so when it comes back in I'm gonna buy it and I'm like just a couple of people I might be like hey do you want a copy of this book that you should definitely read um but I think this is this is like this is how you do this shit like you pick up books and you read and you go wow somebody spent the time writing this book um and this book was actually great because um it gave me an innate understanding of how racism is structured in the UK. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm reading a book at the moment that I'll just have to post later because I can't remember what it's called, but it's about like race in Ireland. Um, and again, the construction of that is really fucking interesting. Like it's just the information is all there. It's just not like, and like black people can only do so much to push it into people's hands you have to actively go and seek it out and I think there's something really great about the fact that all these places are making these books free for people to download um that like people are compiling resources they're going here are these bands you need to listen to here are these like businesses you need to support here are like these people that you fucking just need to listen to like I think like if we can sustain that as white people is in like sustain amplifying the voices of black people and people of color in in general, like just in our society, and go like we need to actually listen to this. We're gonna we're gonna get somewhere. Yeah. Um. But I just feel like if we collectively are going to try to topple white supremacy as a construct, it has to be everything. It, you can't only go well. We'll we'll start supporting black people, but only these able-bodied cisgendered male black boy. Like you, there has yeah. to be there has to be more. It has to be everything. And I think that is like this. This slate needs to be wiped clean now, and we just need to like start moving on from your ignorance I think this is like a thing I tried to say last week as well that like I saw some people kind of tried to post stuff and then were told like that's like what you've said is actually still racist or whatever and then they were like oh I don't know why I try because it's you know I always say the wrong thing and it's like no you you actually just need to like let go and I think that's really hard it's like a really hard thing it is never had to do it before but it's also like you 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 just have to do it because you're still centering yourself um, and I think that is the problem at the moment is some people still haven't learned how to go well this is actually even though this is about me it's not about me yeah um, and that's like a really difficult balance 
Um, so that, that was what Jason was saying. He's like, whiteness is a construct. It's a washover construct of power. Um, and he's saying that like when he when he's like fucking white people, he's saying like he's not speaking directly to the color of your skin, that like these are ideas and he focuses on a culture or a system. And yeah, like, I mean, white people as a culture, you can individually experience um, like oppression as a working class person or as a disabled person or like, you know, in like white feminism, you, there's obviously a inequality of power for women versus men and like for people who are like non-binary and like trans and stuff there is like there's different layers within it like you can individually experience hardship but collectively speaking as a whole we are we hold all the power and we only have the power to change this mm-hmm. um but he did go on to say that he's never seen whiteness threaten its own privilege like this which i think is a really interesting way of wording it and it's like this is this is fucking good <laughs> let's like keep going with this this is great it's very really true and it yeah I think this is the this may be the first time in history that people have kind of gone well like actually maybe we don't need the power anymore and like it's that's really cool mm. to see so many people kind of go right we need to actually maybe consider not being the default but I think this is the problem as well like um for a lot of people this is sorry I keep circling back to like ideas that I kind of was like oh I need to talk about this I roll this down and then I'm still like no my ideas are gone <laughs> um but like for a lot of people being cisgendered heterosexual white able-bodied mentally well is like normal and everything else is abnormal and we need to just fuck fuck that idea out that like there is no such thing as normal and white straight cisgender like none of that this is not the default yeah and I think once people can grasp the fact that like but this is the thing as well, and this is the thing about gender studies that really interests me, and this is the thing about like study into like sexuality that really interests me. It's that like if you've never had to think about this stuff before, obviously you're gonna be like, What the fuck are you talking about? Because you can't you can't imagine anything else. And like it's just defaults are really dangerous in this regard. That like defaulting to assuming that this is normal, being black isn't, being Asian isn't, being trans isn't like it when once you start like what's the word I'm looking for entertaining like entertaining this idea yeah and I think that is kind of a problem and like it's definitely I was the same like growing up in Ireland there were two people of color in my whole school um wow one black girl in my year like oh, in my class actually and then two I think there was two people of color in the whole year um and, th- and then in secondary school there were no black people in my class at all there were maybe like six it's like I would say South Asian girls in my whole school like that's <laughs> that's the demographic we're looking at like I would just no black teachers no teachers of color at all like it was just white like so yeah. white <laughs> like that's just like that was what I grew up in so I think I was like 13 when I picked up you know Mallory Blackman oh obviously it's been a tv show yeah. uh, I, I haven't watched it yet I will it was on the list of like that's the thing I really want to watch um <laughs> but knots and crosses like I picked that up and there's a thing in it about um white people like a white person getting a plaster and it was like as you said earlier that like yeah. the skin tone plasters are are only made for white skin tones even though like they don't match anybody's skin like why are yeah. you pretending this is a skin tone like stop it like and it's so ridiculous um but that was like the first time in my life and it was such a simple fucking thing that like a person goes to get a plaster and they're like oh I wish this matched my skin tone and it was like to my like 13 year old brain I was just like oh my god but it was like it was just because I had never had a cause to like interrogate any alternative it didn't make any like why like why would I because I had grown up in this really white insulated bubble that like 
that's the thing like you learn about I think in school like I definitely remember learning about like um slavery and um you know Martin Luther King and things like that and you're kind of like you kind of have to almost step back so with that you know I remember doing that in primary school and you're like that's awful that's terrible nobody should be slaves and you're kind of that's the very like lowest people should be slaves like yes good job (laughs) good job on the you kind of then I remember learning about Martin Luther King as I got a bit older and I was like that's so bad I can't believe that people were segregated on the bus and that's just horrible and, and that's so mean that people are you know um being treated that way and then we get to secondary school and this is talking about the, the Irish education system and then you go into To Kill a Mockingbird which is generally what you read in between like second and third year and you're like wow I can't believe this black man was accused of a crime that he definitely didn't commit and you're kind of seeing the systemic racism that way um, and but there's also the other flip side of it, which is like, oh, Atticus Finch is like a white savior. Um, and there's that kind of like, you know, as well as you're growing up in Ireland, you're seeing these ads for Troker and you're seeing ads for this. And you're like, oh, we're the white savers who give money to these charities and, and this kind of thing. And that's another kind of step in stepping stone on your way to kind of unlearning racism and unlearning all these kind of privileges. And they're like microaggressions, like the very baseline is that, you know, learning that you know black people shouldn't have been slaves and then learning oh they shouldn't have been segregated on the bus no they shouldn't be you know treated differently in a court of law and then it's like okay well that's fine but then you need to learn about like why you shouldn't ask somebody where they actually come from and you know little aggressions like that like can I play with your hair and and different things like that as well and even growing up um with a black friend my best friend is is a black woman and she you know I didn't I wasn't really aware of that as a kid so there was kind of black jokes made and not even slurs but just kind of microaggressions that I never even realized and I'm like oh my god like you know like saying to her things like um oh you're like a white black woman like you're really white and stuff like that and it's just kind of those little things that you grow up doing and you don't realize how shit it is yeah until you kind of really say to yourself right I need to learn more about this yeah and, and like that's, that that's is where we're at now in terms of like yes you may agree that racism is bad but you also need to unlearn everything else that goes along with it those <laughs> little things along the way yeah and like that is I just I love the fucking like I mean when we read To Kill a Mockingbird in school it seemed like wow we're learning about black people this is great yeah I for fucking like the whole time we were reading the book I thought Scout and Atticus were black oh did you <laughs> yeah and then it was like somebody was like yeah Atticus is white and I was like my understanding of this book is wrong <laughs> like what's happening because I think we I, I don't know how old we were when we read that like 13 and 14 maybe like just my complete I so I think by the time we got to sixth year we read um Purple Hibiscus by Chimamanda Ngozi Adichie and I remember even like I think I've said that wrong but I remember like my English teacher painstakingly trying to like teach us how to pronounce her name and then she'd be like Chimamanda Negotes and people would be like, No, I can't do it. And you're like, For fu- just oh my god, just, you've no, you've no problem saying Daenerys Targaryen, but you have problem saying this. Yeah, come on. Um, but like, we read that, and then like, I just I feel like we were short. I mean, most of the books you read in fucking school are shit anyway, but I just feel the amount of like short change that you got because now like people have Angie Thomas and they have Jason Reynolds and they have Patrice Lawrence and they have fucking like so there's so many authors like that are black that are off color that you're like I'm looking around and I'm like just name all the books that you see (laughs) (laughs) but it's like you were so shortchanged because like Purple Hibiscus was like the only actual look-in I had from something written by a black person 
you even did that for your leaving cert yeah I mean leaving cert is weird because you do that and then you do like Montreal which is about abortion <laughs> you're just like <laughs> like yeah so yeah well, that's what we did for our leaving cert it, it was cool because it was like wow this is like probably the first book by a black person that we've seen in this terribly white school like it just yeah that's like, I'm shocked I'm like what I did a doll's house which I was like oh feminism you know at the time and stuff which is why again like I said you kind of go into these things learning about your own injustices my injustice was that I was always told never to have sex till I got married and I was like how dare my mother and um you're kind of as you're like okay well that's fine you know we can all have sex and everyone it's fine it's cool and you're yeah. kind of like oh this other injustice and then at that point you do need to like branch out of your circle and take in what the fuck other people are going through and yeah totally and I think this is the thing about this as well it's like maybe like gay issues were a problem for you before maybe trans issues were a problem for you before maybe feminist issues were a thing for you before Um, maybe disability issues were a thing for you before but for a lot of white people this is potentially the first time they've encountered a movement that has absolutely nothing to do with them yeah and like I think people are struggling with this like you know but we are uncomfortable when we're not about me kind of thing where you're just like (sighs) or I I kind of feel like it's you ever see that meme and it's like somebody's boss texted them being like we're short staffed today and then the person replied with damn that's crazy I feel like (laughs) a little bit like people are like you know people are being murdered in the streets and people are just like damn that's crazy like you're like no (laughs) come on dude like just 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 do something and um I think in this conversation, Jason went on to say that, like, although he's never seen whiteness threaten its privilege like this, um, he said, like, it's not enough. Like, Emo Knight, he said, he referred to, like, Emo Knight asking people to come on and have this conversation was taking a risk, um, which is really fucking sad, to be honest. Like, if you, if, like, I mean, like, the thing about us is we are actually not taking a risk because we can't be deplatformed because we're an independent podcast. (laughs) This is the thing. Like, that's there is no risk involved and it's really shit that like you even have to acknowledge that there could be any risk for simply saying respect other people and listen to what they have to say um but he said then if you have a platform you need to take more risks and he can't be afraid to look like an angry black guy anymore um and i think that's the thing like this conversation was justifiably very fucking full of rage Mm -hmm. and like as a white person sitting here listening to it it's just like trying to imagine what it must be like to sit with that anger forever and like only now getting the opportunity to express it in a way that people are actually listening to like it's just it's 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 despicable on all our parts I think to like because I feel like no matter how like aware you were before the events of of, of um the last couple of weeks there's so much to confront now. I mean, even the fact that we're having this conversation where we were kind of aware before that there aren't that many black bands, there aren't that many black fans of music, of like alternative music. Um, And I think it wasn't until really listening to this conversation that like I really, really became aware of like just how fucking bad it is. Um, Because then they kind of went to say that like when people are saying, what about All Lives Matter? It's like, well, actually this has always been about you. All of this is about you. Because this is not, as we keep saying, this is not black people's problem. This is a white people, like, this is white people's issue to fix. Mm-hmm. Definitely. Um, but he kind of went on to say them, which I thought was really interesting, that, like, I mean, Fever 3, like, Let Live and Fever 3 through 3 are punk bands. Like, they have very, very strong punk roots. Um, but he said, like, punk rock was, like, you know, we're going to, we're going to come in, we're going to, you're going to let us in. And then once they brought their shit in is in like that's what he described it as like as bringing his shit in as in like talking about racism talking about inequality 
then you get silenced. And he said that's not punk rock and that's not alternative because the most punk rock thing is to fucking stand up for people. Mm-hmm. It is though. I think I was I, when all this was happening. I was listening to like I had my emo playlist on. I was listening to like Blink and Sum Forty One and stuff. And like like we spoke about before on Dead to Me when she gets angry she just puts on heavy metal music like I was listening to this like I'm so angry right now and then the music was fueling it as well so I think it's I think it's a really natural thing that for punk to be doing at the moment is to be talking about this um because it's punk is about rising up against the man and about rising up against the patriarchy um and in this instance racism so I think that's a really interesting thing and it would be really interesting to see what kind of um culture comes from this yeah totally like i mean jordan um from a part like war went on to say that he's never been able to talk about any of this stuff in the punk scene before Mm. like despite the fact that like people's understanding of punk is that it is very fuck the man fuck the system the fact that this is the first time but he said that like um there was a difference now from like as we mentioned before like when trevor martin was murdered Mm. um like back then people were saying to him like why do you always have to make things about race like because this is clearly a racist issue (laughs) sorry this is clearly a racist issue um but like he was searching punk communities online and lots of them weren't discussing what was happening and some of them were removing comments on posts about what was going like but this is happening today some of them were removing comments on posts about like what's going on right now and then they're like but at the and they were like, oh, we need to like not be bring politics into this. And Jordan was saying that this is a topical conversation, and you guys are silencing it. Like there, there is nothing more topical than what's happening right now in the world. Yeah. This is the biggest fucking uprising of the twenty first century. <laughs> like Absolutely. get with the program. Um, but like I guess when you look at it like that, then it makes sense why he has never been able to talk about this stuff in the punk scene. It just makes perfect sense. Um, but I think kind of the next thing we could look at is um Hanif is he Hanif is a um he's a poet and an essayist and a writer and he's awesome I can't believe I've never heard of him before and I'm going to read the shit out of everything he's ever written um, but he said that like when you look at the construct of all these alternative bands the language is being directed at largely white audiences um but that the concept of rock and roll came from black people it did, yeah. So, so like, but like, this is the thing. Like, we don't even know where these roots come from because emo. Like, well, even when we talked about the beginnings of emo, where it came from, we didn't go back far enough to acknowledge that this came from black people. We were like, it just appeared in the nineties, <laughs> magically. But this was because we looked at white sources, because like that's all the rate is really. Like when you when it comes down to subcultures, I think later on, Jason in this conversation, Jason referred to like punk and the alternative scene as a microculture, which I think is really a really good explanation because like subculture is huge this is a much smaller 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 thing um but Hanif said that like you know when you're when you're at shows um because the language is being directed at largely white audiences it kind of strips the meaning of the sound because like a lot of this came from like 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 black jazz backgrounds and like different types of like what would typically have begun with black people Mm -hmm we can't hear it because all we hear are drum beats and all we hear are guitar riffs and all we hear is like oh that's really cool and I'm having a great time but like we don't like there's no nuance to it it's just like this is cool music and I like it Mm. um but he said that like you know you end up getting a couple of black people in the room but it doesn't really mean anything when you think about what got stripped in order to get those black people there um and then we need to think about the history of music and we need to teach histories that people understand um 
and then what why people are consuming at these shows so like fever 33 shows or issue shows um it's rooted in black music so it's like old 70s funk or 50s and 60s jazz um and like black musicians have ended up being stripped of their history because we just don't have a clue of where any of this was rooted mm-hmm. and i think even now like when white guys pick up their guitars to go play in like and like you know to start up a band they don't like all maybe they're only mimicking like green day or blink or whatever like there's I think there's really an issue of just not the education not going far back enough and people not really understanding. Like it, it is a thing for sure that like me and Michael went to see Fever 333 last June in a in a in a distant past where you could travel. I know. <laughs> so we went to see them in London and like it was the sort of thing that because like the cool thing about Fever is that like they call their shows demonstrations and it's very strongly rooted in the Black Lives Matter movement mm-hmm. and the songs are largely about racism and about rising up and about empowering people so I was like I kind of hope we are some of the only white people there because this music is not for us mm-hmm. like that was like my strong feeling about it that like although I'm learning stuff from listening to this music I'm learning stuff from listening to Jason it's not for me but like when we got there it was just fuck tons of white people and it was kind of like okay um but like Jason does a thing where he gets the black people in the audience to put their hands up and I think there was only like six or seven people there but he like then made an effort to go out and like sing with them or like dance with them or like just fucking hold their hands and stuff and it was really nice because it was like he just I can't really imagine what it must be like to be like I'm gonna make impairing music and it's gonna be consumed by completely the wrong people like that must I don't know what that feels like I have no idea what that fucking feels like but like I just think it's it's they kind of went in they go into it later in the conversation about how like everything that black people have done white people have stolen and like when I heard that it actually made me think of you know the Eminem song where he says to do black music so selfishly use it to get myself wealthy like I think that was like a fucking song from the 90s and like he was just really fucking aware that like hip-hop was such like a, a black person thing and a black cultural thing and then like Eminem was like actually no I'll have that thank you and that seems to happen just all the time um and then Sky Sky Accord he's from um Issues went on to say that he actually went to like he just went to music college and he did jazz and then he said there was all these like different groups of people so you had like skinny tie jazz people and experimental jazz people um and then he kind of said that like he like jazz has been like he had been around long enough and jazz has been around long enough that there's like a cycle so like music comes from black roots it gets really popular with black artists white artists go oh i can do that too and then the genre becomes really popular with white people and then it becomes white people music yeah um and then he said that like that in his college that within the all the cliques the loser kids were all the guys who played modern black music so the ones who liked hip-hop the ones who liked r&b interesting which, yeah which is really like it's just it like at the time it hadn't been whitewashed enough and they like these people didn't have enough white hip-hop heroes or white r&b heroes that it was just looked down upon Mm. um so like he said that he had to make like a concerted effort while he was in college to keep practicing black music because he was losing like you're just losing it within this but i think that's really like it's really fucked up because you pay to go to college anywhere in the world you expect to get a complete education on this thing like if you go to do fucking jazz like you want you want your jazz education you want it to be rounded you want it to be nuanced you want to fucking you want to be an expert on jazz by the time you're finished or as close to or like the ability to specialize in something when you're done and I think if you go in and shit is just wiped off because people haven't thought about it like that 
we're not teaching like people are not learning because people don't know how to look for stuff because people think that what they're being told is the complete story but like i think it comes back to like being in school like i know we did purple hibiscus woohoo one whole book um but like in history our history teacher because obviously like there's different things that are on the curriculum but they can pick whatever so we ended up doing the um the secession or cessation cessation of katanga i can't remember what the word is where katanga left the congo that's what we did i can't remember the word because my brain is just not here um and then we did like stuff about like the split of india and pakistan um but like this was like deliberate that we like he deliberately decided we were going to learn about patrice lumumba like that was like his decision but like loads of teachers don't do this mm. because it's not mandatory because they just pick the stuff that they want yeah um so like we learn no black like black american history we learn no black irish history because people don't fucking know but i also think we missed out by not learning about black british history because that's the bit that interests me i don't give a shit about them colonizing stuff i want to hear what happened to the people afterwards and yeah. that's like i know from like people who grew up in the uk or who have kids in the moment at the in the uk they know nothing about their history of colonizing like a lot of them seem to think that like ireland's problem with the british is that we didn't want to leave (laughs) stop (laughs) um if you're from the uk and you're listening and you've no idea what we're talking about um please google it because it's it's funny but it's like a really pervasive thing they're like something something the ira oh yeah and now you've left the uk even the north of the south wouldn't it be easier if we were all joined together like they just have no idea and if they have no idea about their closest fucking white neighbor who they still have relations with and um, you know like, why are people upset about churchill and you're like oh jesus christ <laughs> oh my god but like, if, if it wasn't for him we'd be speaking german <laughs> no if it wasn't for the brits we'd be speaking irish law yeah like oh but like, it's it's just that's that kind of exemplifies it that like if yeah. they cannot understand as a nation because they're so lacking in the education from their own fucking education system about their closest white english-speaking neighbors what fucking hope does the rest of the world have like yeah. really like it's just it's mind-boggling but it just kind of shows how much work needs to be done and how much like the onus is now kind of on the individual to educate themselves in whatever way they can like i will say that some of the books i've been reading are not that accessible i think why i'm no longer talking to white people about race is really accessible i haven't read don't touch my hair by um emma debiri i'm dying to read that so am i but like i've from what people have said that's really accessible so it's like if you can get your hands on books that you can read and like the thing is when you're re- like i read non-fiction and i read a fiction book every day like not the whole book that only sometimes happens <laughs> i don't i don't tend to always do this but like i always have one non-fic and then one fiction book on the go um and i try to read about different things so like i cycle through kind of different topics mm-hmm. and like sometimes i'll only read a chapter or i'll only read 20 pages and it might take me fucking weeks to finish the book but the point is I'm constantly reading something yeah. to teach myself some stuff. I do think like reading, because I, I have a Kindle app as well. And this morning I downloaded because Versa books were giving away. Um, also, by the way, when places are offering free ebooks to download, if you can afford to donate the price of the ebook to like a chosen charity or a chosen fundraiser or maybe bail funds for people in America, please go do that. We will post links on our, um, what's our? Social social? On our Instagram. On our says yes, that's what we'll do. Um, so the book I downloaded to get today was called "If They Come in the Morning." It's Voices of Resistance, and it was edited by Angela Y. Davis, and it's about like 
um race um police and it's um it's just like an anthology basically where they talk to num- like numerous radicals so some of like black panthers have pieces in here and like people don't understand things about the black panthers we're not talking about the marvel film like <laughs> but like i genuinely think of people are like what the fuck is a black panther like i think we're missing so much world history from yeah. our history and like, this is a, this is like i think this is the thing that really <sighs> I'm somebody who wants to know all of the things I can possibly yeah. know. Like I just I just want to know everything. And it's it's like the thing of like realizing I'll never read every book in the world because that's impossible. It's like I will never know every piece of history in the world because that's impossible. But I think like because we are like we're a majorly white country even though that's that is changing as time goes on, but like we're still I think white is still the the prevalent culture in this country. Um, we're part of Europe, which again is largely white. Like we just like we we don't know anything. We just we know nothing. We barely know our own fucking history. Like this is the thing. But even in terms of Ireland specifically, like um, travelers are an ethnic minority here in Ireland. And do we know the history of travelers? Like I think as well, Irish people are having to like uh, white Irish people are having to face up to the fact that we have been so discriminatory towards travelers. Yes. It's only in the past like year or so I've been really conscious about not saying slurs and not yeah. using slur words and things like that. Whereas before you kind of would say it and you know when you'd really mean it with that kind of hateful thing in your body because that's the way you were raised that's the way you were taught to see this other ethnic minority um even that that are from Ireland so the fact that we have to face up to that and face up to the way that we are treating black people it's going to be a real wake-up call for people in Ireland and I think as well in America they obviously have um indigenous people um and you know um like Native American people and even Native American or Native people in Australia and stuff like that like travelers are are like indigenous native people here um and i think like there are i'm not sure if there's many other countries throughout the world obviously roma um travelers and stuff like that in romania um and things like that the people have to not only face up to how they've been treating black people but i think it's well truly time that we face up to how we're treating these other ethnic minorities that are it's just bizarre to think that travelers have had such injustices done yeah towards them and it's taken now for people to wake up and be like shit we shouldn't have really shouldn't have really done that to them or shouldn't really said that and it's horrible and there's still people that have really bad stereotypes in their heads about um the travelers and a thing as well like I was actually looking the other day at uh there was I found this website that was specifically for counsellors and therapists for travelers and it was like it kind of talked about how the the counselors and stuff were um educated in like tr- cultural norms and I was like wow when I look for a therapist I don't need to look for somebody who is um educated in my what my cultural norms are because I can expect that of them which is another huge thing like even if you're interested like let's say your social justice thing that you're interested in is uh that affects you directly is disability or uh, you know trans issues or whatever like even if it's a, it, it could be a array of things if you just take what you're most interested in and just look at how it is for black people or um, another ethnic minority group like let's say it is disability or mental illness and just look at how that's treated for them and how it is different to how you are dealing with it and how you're kind of fighting up against it um I think that's that's a great place to start learning yeah for sure and I think that's like a your thing. eyes to 
to what you may know as injustice as a white person and it'll open your eyes up to what's actually happening to other people as well like you might think that you have problems with mental illness and accessing mental health but then you look at black people who can't find black therapists who know their cultural norms or travelers who can't find therapists who know their cultural norms and that's not just the issue of cultural norms obviously there's racism there's so many other things and there's the pain that is coming with all this um stuff being brought up again and everything like that that they have to face into so i would say if you're thing not your thing if one of your things maybe is mental illness and you're interested in that and you're interested in fighting against um injustices in there or mental health reform definitely look into how others are treated in that area too definitely and i think um that's really a really interesting point because um i think lizzo was saying the other day that like mm-hmm. black people are more than 50 percent less likely to get painkillers when you go in to get healthcare. so it's like if you give a shit about um like say you're a fat person and you give a shit about like how people are treated in medical settings like go a little bit further and go like how are black fat people treated in medical settings how are like black people in general treated in medical settings and a lot of the time they're not believed like I keep seeing threads on twitter um a black woman posted the other day about like she wasn't getting the right health care that she needed and then they were trying to stop her having advocates in the hospital with her and then they kept telling her that she was aggressive and that like you know when sometimes you actually do need I was in like I I know people are like oh Dr Google is bad but like if you've ever been in a situation like I have a disability like if you've ever been in a situation where you're trying to get your medical people to take you seriously and not keep saying just wait just do whatever it's only this it's only that and that happens and it gets exhausting because you do get gaslighted yeah um that if this is happening to me as somebody who presents as like a middle-class white person like you can't even fathom what that does like what that is like for somebody who maybe doesn't have the language or the like the you know isn't like the thing is that you end up needing to be an expert on your own illness Mm-hmm. And if you have never been facilitated with the like being taught somewhere how to read medical journals or how to read journals and how to find research and how to like if you've never been given that opportunity, how fucking hard do you have to fight to be listened to? Yeah. Um. I saw another thread that was uh, it was a black doctor in a hospital and then a guy came in and he ended up having like he had a blood clot in his brain or like something was happening to him anyway or he had something wrong with him mm. um that needed to be explained and they told him it was like oh this is a pituitary whatever and then the guy was like nodding and stuff and then the, the doctor went back and said to this guy um do you have any questions and he was like yeah man like am i am i dying because they didn't bother trying to check and see did this guy understand and like that's not to like say yeah. that like you know black people are less educated like because that's, that's another fucking problem again that you like you know you can't assume that your education is superior but yeah. it's also a particular problem where nobody is che- nobody is checking that they are connecting with the people that they're treating in medical yeah. situations nobody is checking as in like i can't i can't fathom trying to go get therapy for your mental health issues when socioeconomic cultural like so much comes into it before isn't stuff that makes up you mm-hmm. there's so many layers to mental health there's so many layers to mental illness that if you were trying to go get therapy for a specific problem that maybe is exacerbated by your situation or by things in your culture or like by multiculturalism in your own fucking family like I just I can't imagine trying to like you having to educate a therapist like fucking hell even, I know. even thinking about it I'm just even like thinking about it, stressing you out 
Yeah, like, because I just think as well, like, for me, like, trying to find a therapist to talk about queerness is quite difficult, because, like, uh, I don't, like, as in, for me, like, obviously, for me, that's, like, again, the people, there are black queer people who have to do this as well, but it's, like, thinking about that is exhausting, because I'm, like, I just trying to find somebody and not have to like justify hey here's everything I've learned about queerness and about gender and about like all this stuff that like you know you need to understand this to contextualize how this affects me in my life or how this doesn't affect me in my life that that feels just like I can't <laughs> I can't and it, that has to change like I mean there, there's also like the problem of like a lot of psychiatry um being developed for cis had white men yeah um like there's just it's a lot like the oh medicine (laughs) (laughs) i think like this is the i think jason said it later on he was like punk has always been the safest for cishet white men yeah that is a safe space like punk is a great safe space for these people and like he kind of said that like trans people and black people and like black queer people and black trans people and stuff like that those are the people that and like black women are like the people who are the most marginalized in what is supposed to be a really safe space for people um i think that the last thing sky said in that kind of section where he was talking about being in college was that every time black music gets a platform it makes the industry money um and i feel like it shouldn't be so hard to get people to realize that i mean name five black artists that you can think of that have topped the charts beyonce stallion yeah Nicki minaj yeah uh like, Chris, Chris, like yeah that was yeah so we have like Beyonce, Doja Cat. Um, like you got fucking like, as in, like, <laughs> like it's so easy but it's like these are like huge fucking names they, they are yeah and it's like it's it, that's why it's kind of like this is the kind of the overarching thing of this conversation is it's so hard to understand why is it really hard for black people to get it in in this industry of music that they created that white people stole that like, we want to and, make into that in an Irish context because there's a lot happening. No. Courtney just <laughs> there's a lot going on in terms of um, if you're Irish, you and you don't know about this. Do you know what? That's that, that's a conversation for a whole because I feel like it's something that we can talk about in terms of how great and diverse the Irish music scene is. It is gorgeous right now. Yeah. Um, it used to be really dominated by white cis men. Um, and like, now just we've imagine got... like everybody was Mumford and Sons. That's kind of what the Irish. Yeah, that was kind of the Irish music scene. It was like a dude with a guitar. But now it's like we've got black women and black men and rap music and really just beautiful stuff going on. And um, it's been overshadowed by two white men who still rap music from and you know and and, and they're being racist in their their appropriation of the rap culture as well and they're being misogynistic and that's something that we've spoken about before and it's just this whole thing and it's disgusting that it's happening um but we can see that it's it's not just an American problem it's definitely something that's happening here too and it's just a shame because I think the Irish music scene is just really really nice right now it's gorgeous yeah and like that's really cool and like that's something we need to fucking build on yeah like we just but like this is again this comes down to us like looking like maybe it's not accessible or maybe it's systemic racism because we're just not looking for this music because it's there like I mean all of these artists that like people have suddenly gone oh hey these are all black people in the last like week they've been there for years or months or like you know doing this thing and now only suddenly we're all like oh my god you exist and it's just it's a whole thing um Jason went on to say that like we're a minority in a subcultural scene and they're still being taken from and that is kind of a really like we've talked a lot about subculture and about 
what the scene means and the emotional part of like emo and of like general like of of like the scene scene and like we've done so much work on this and like to think about it as like there is a very small minority within the subcultural scene that the larger subculture are taking from and mm-hmm. um, but he said like you know we have hot topic and we have all of these things but like we're still it's still a microculture and it is because it's it's really fucking small um but he kind of got into like a thing where he was saying that like black people can say really fucked up things about white people but you cannot be racist like so sky was saying then that the oppressed can't oppress mm-hmm. i think that's like a thing people really need to, like i saw a tweet <sighs> I saw a tweet from a man who said he he's from Dublin and he went to Carlo and was told to go back to Dublin because he was wearing a Dublin jersey and that's racism. <laughs> that is also racism. And I'm just like, I think that in fairness, I will not like we will not name and shame him because somebody explained to him that he's an idiot and he went, all right, I am an idiot, which is good. But it was just like the people are really going around thinking, God, somebody told me to go back to my county. That's racism. Like, are you for fucking real? Like, I just can't. Like, Claude, I can't do it. Like, I just... I but, like, it's just... This is the sort of shit that we're, like... We're only seeing it now. Black people have had to listen to this shit for, for centuries. Just like, oh, my God. Like, uh so yeah, like this is the this is like the segment of the show where we assert that reverse racism is not a thing. You can discriminate and you can be prejudiced and you can be biased, but you cannot be racist against white people. You just can't. That's not a thing. Uh, but I think this is like this comes back to the not people not understanding. Like when you go back to the like talking about gender quotas and feminism and like needing to have gender quotas in a thing, and you had a lot of white working class men saying well I'm working class and I don't get opportunities and you're like yes socioeconomic inequality is also a thing but like that's nothing to do with gender like you like it's just that people can't seem to understand that like no matter what happens to you as like a woman as a trans person as a as a man I guess like because you are white you will never suffer these things and because you're a man you will never suffer the same inequalities that women and like and non-men I guess and face like that's the these are the these are the layers to it that like there are certain things that you can experience but that you don't and that is what privilege is like it's a very basic concept privilege is simply like not like experiencing anything because of the color of your skin and I keep seeing people be like oh when you go to China you're not a you're a minority there and you're like I just need you to shut up right now and stop talking because that's not how it works no that's not how it works like in terms of I remember there was an instance where where was I I was on holiday in Italy and we went to a Scottish pub and obviously I'm white I can be there that's fine but somebody kind of you know said to us like oh where are you from we said Ireland and he was like oh north or south and we're like oh we're from the republic near Dublin he's like oh so you know the bad part ha 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 that's not like at that point you're kind of like um that's not racism that's nobody even no. racist towards us for being Irish that's just um I wouldn't even say discrimination it's just it's like prejudice it's a prejudice exactly it's like exactly you can't be right ra- like we could be in that pub and we could be you know until we open our mouth and say something nobody knows we're from Ireland um whereas if we were black if you're a black person in a pub people you know I mean it's something that you see straight away that's where that kind of I guess the not the danger but the the kind of the privilege is coming from is that you will never feel prejudiced because of your color your skin uh I mean you may feel prejudiced because of other things but 
your colour skin will not be a factor in that. Um, it's not until you open your mouth and say where you're from that people may discriminate or be prejudiced against you for different things, whether you're queer or disabled or working class or whatever it might be or where you're from. But none of that's going to happen based on the colour of your skin. No, and that, that's kind of the thing that like there are so many things that you are just not visible, I guess. Like, yeah. I mean, my disability is not visible. Nobody knows this. This is not a thing that's really apparent. Yeah. But like, you know, this is like stuff people find out about and can be prejudiced or discriminatory about once they have found out about it. But I think like we cannot conceptualize what it is like to be discriminated against and I have like racism directed at us mm-hmm. simply by walking into a room and people making a snap decision yeah. like decision based on like what you look like um so I think what was really sweet about this panel is um so Courtney Coles was um moderating but mm-hmm. Hanif kept being like Courtney you tell us what you think and that was just like, it was a really sweet thing I was like this is this is such a nice conversation <laughs> Um, so they they asked her about her starting as a photographer and like what that was like and she was saying that as like both a woman and as a black woman um, that it was often just her and her sister at shows and they were the only black people or people of colour so she like but you know how when you've been around kind of in the scene for a while and like you kind of see people and maybe you know somebody who's a photographer and like all they do is they just keep going at people going can I have a pit pass can I have a pit pass can I have a pit pass until they get it or like maybe you know people who photograph at local shows mm-hmm. If you don't have an in to the industry, you don't know how to do these things. And her point was that, like, she didn't... I think it was, like, some show she was at a couple of years after doing this. um, Because this would have been, like, the Mm -hmm. mid-2000s. That she saw another woman at the show, but, like, in the photo pit. And she was like, how did you get in there? And, like, that was, like... But it's the thing of, like... Again, it's like, if you can't see it, you can't be it. Like, if you literally don't know how to do this thing that you want to do, and you have no, like, people that are safe to ask and no people that are safe to communicate with, um, it's really fucking hard to do. So, like, the Courtney, like, photograph... I mean, I was looking at her Instagram, and it's really cool. We will post a link to all of these people, um, when the episode airs. Like, we'll just... We're just gonna spend the week posting graphics. I will collate the stuff and you can post them Claudia because I have no I have no artistic talent whatsoever every graphic you see it's made by Claudia but I'm like three-year-old I'm like what's this I don't know and I try but I'm no, not oh you've done some weird your ones have been great as well <laughs> my ones are just like oh picture color logo it right. works, it works <laughs> we're gonna post all this stuff but it is like a really really good point that like it just comes back to the if you can't see it you can't be it thing where I just I keep thinking about it as well like I'm trying to think about stuff that I know about and stuff that you know about so like you know about media and you know about journalism I know about writing and I know about like publishing I I know stuff about the publishing industry because I met people that work in the publishing industry and like I have friends who are authors I have friends who work like as editors um and like this is my knowledge that I have and I think like but the the only reason I got this knowledge is because I met people who were willing to talk to me about it mm-hmm. and like that's kind of an ongoing thing I learn stuff by listening because I am in this group where people will talk about this stuff in front of me and I think that is a real problem because how do you walk into a room of like I don't make assumptions for people but like I just imagine it is quite daunting to, for a lot of people to walk into a room of white people and to feel like I'm going to be safe to ask these questions I'm going to be safe to do whatever because this is a, a thing I was reading about the other day it was an article from 2014 and it was called I don't know what to do with good white people again we'll post that one on our um link tree um because it was really fucking good and it was the idea that like there is overt racists who are like 
awful (laughs) as we all know but like people seem to think overt racism is the only racism whereas like the worst kind of racism this person was saying was the the good white person where they say racist things but think that their intention is good yeah and don't realize their impact so i don't know what it feels like to walk into a room of people and to have to wonder and maybe like obviously we're not like literally this is the only time we're going to say not all black people because like we can't assume that everybody feels oppressed but mm-hmm. i i would imagine that like a thing that you can do going forward is if you know stuff about an industry that you start talking to people that you see like if you were on twitter and you are into music and you see somebody asking information on like how do i get like for, i don't know like simple shit like how do i get into meet and greets how do i get to like talk to people in the industry how do like do you use anybody know anybody that works here you fucking reach out and you like call people in Mm -hmm. rather than just keeping things in their own circles I don't know I just I'm so like "Ah," about this whole thing because there's these are very simple actions you can do where you just start being conscious of who is on the outside and you bring them in and you do the fucking work to make sure that that's a safe place for that person because there's probably like the only thing that's possibly worse than ignoring people or locking them out is bringing them into a not safe place I'm yeah. telling them that it is because again that's another fucking microaggression where you're like oh it's safe in here except for all that racist shit that's happening over the corner but ignore that that's fine like it's just this is like this is where the work begins is in like this these are like within outside of the larger movement this is the smaller ongoing thing where you actually need to keep interrogating because this is how you make stuff safe for people mm-hmm. but you need to do the work yourself before you start like you know does that does that make sense? I don't yeah, know. 100%. 100%. Okay. It does though. You you need to do the work. Um, and it, again, like we said before, if this is a white person problem. We need to sort this out. Yeah. You really do. And um, Hanif went on then to say that like um, which I thought was really interesting because like as I mentioned before, Fever 333 songs are all about racism. Like they're all anti-racism. Mm. They're all like Black Lives Matter. They're all like pro uprising. And Hanif said that, like, you are actually centering whiteness, even if you provide your, like, even if you provide your anger as a platform to see themselves. Like, if you are, like, I keep seeing posts as well about um, black authors. Mm -hmm. It's, like, really famous black authors, like James Baldwin, etc. Like, of that time, that because they were writing about race what did people miss out on because all they were ever doing they were basically constantly writing about white people and like although it was from their like their perspective it's still like you're constantly having to center whiteness so it's like no matter what white people isn't like we're stunting people's musical growth we're stunting their artistic growth simply by not listening Mm -hmm. and by not being ready to go hey you've sung this and we're not going to make you do this again and I think that's really interesting because he said he wanted to see young punks singing about things that they love and writing about stuff that they long that they love. And he said that white punks in your scene don't deserve your anger. They deserve your rage, but they don't deserve your anger. And I thought that was a really fucking good point that like, yes, that is actually really valid. Like, why do you have to keep singing about racism? Oh, yeah, because people are fucking racist. That's why. And it's just like that is. I think that kind of sums it up really well. It does. Um, In terms of as well, like don't just go to black people for guidance on how you can be less racist you need to go into especially because we're going to recommend some bands you need to go into this being open to learning more about them because of not just because they're black but because of the fact that they're incredible artists and 
they are more than just their conversations around whiteness and around race and around white supremacy. They have to be um, applauded for the work that they're doing outside of that. And you can't just keep talking about black people as well in terms of um, their struggles. Um, I think they need to be applauded for their art as well. Yeah, totally. And like, this is the the really simple thing. This is like a thing. I mean, we're going to over the next forever going to keep doing work on when we talk about something are we including everybody when we are talking about it because I think like a lot of our past episodes have been really fucking white even in our last episode that we posted we talked about um like white people being like serial killers and stuff and like with a lot of the stories were like true crime Mm. white stories we talked about people being profiled for being different and we did not bring up race and we should have that's very true yeah because I thought it but I didn't fucking say it and I think it's like when I listened back to it I was like why the fuck didn't we say that and it's just like it's constantly being conscious that you are until it becomes an unconscious thing because yeah. like once you start like making an effort to do stuff it, it it stops being an effort because it's just what you do it's like any habit it's like anything that you do mm. once you do something for long enough it becomes thing but it's just like I think this is the work we're going to do going forward is we're going to keep including people in the conversation and it's this is not just a one episode let's talk about a thing like we're we're like this is the beginning of an ongoing thing yeah. but it made more sense to have this conversation between us and with you um before we brought black people into the conversation or before we brought other people of color into the exactly. conversation because this is this is how this is how people learn you learn you, you listen you like because i mean the thing is as well we're being invited into black spaces to listen and people are overstepping the mark by being like, yeah, cool, I'm missing all, but like, what do I do next? And it's like, no, you listen, you take what you've learned, you bring it back to your white friends and you say, oh, hey, I learned this thing. And then you talk about what you can do or you go, this, they suggested this, what else can we do? Yeah. And then you're able to like talk about it further. But it's, I think people need to not be afraid as well to learn it loud. Like, you're going to fuck up. I'm going to fuck up. We've probably said something on this podcast already that's wrong. Yeah. Like, and I think that's just the reality. And if somebody says you've done that wrong, you don't go, but I'm trying. You just like go, oh, shit, I'm sorry. Try again. That's it as well. Like, we're not saying we are, uh, we know everything about this because we certainly <laughs> don't. This is us having a conversation as two white hosts with a platform who have recognised that there is um, a, a white supremacy issue in the subculture that we talk about on this podcast. Um, and there's systemic racism in it. And it, we want to be people who work towards making it a safer space for for black people um in this subculture and in this music scene yeah and i think this is the really interesting thing is like we're only beginning to learn and we want to learn with you yeah. that like there is no i think this is the thing as well there is no point to being like well we've been here for years why are you only catching up now because like that's not helping anybody like i think there is something because i do see this as well that there are some white people who online have been trying to be like well where have you all been and you're like this this is not helpful you yeah. can't you can't shame people and this is this is the thing and it's like I hate this argument because it's like you know when people say oh I would support your cause if only you did this other thing when it's like no you're just looking for reasons to not support the cause but I genuinely think people who maybe aren't listening enough would be more inclined to listen more if other white people were like well why didn't you listen three years ago three years ago doesn't matter now yeah it's shit you should have been listening all along you cannot do anything about it but you can start listening today that's the main thing that that genuinely is just the main thing um what else did jason say he said that he's really tired of people calling themselves progressive and then being degenerative in their actions or their silence um which yeah like i don't know i i think that's we've all seen like performative 
posts in the last week. Oh, yeah. I know that's ironic to go from like you can't tell white people what to do, and then also there's, <laughs> but like I do like there are like major like corporations going yeah yeah we stand with Black Lives Matter and stuff, and you're like yeah but what are you actually doing? Yeah. Where are the, like wh- like what are you doing going forward? What are you going to do? Like what are you thinking about? Are you having these conversations? I think I think this is the thing as well. It would be a mistake for everybody to run and start going oh we need to immediately do everything because you're going to fuck up really badly and you're going to make shit not safe for people by doing it like that. Yeah. Um. But there definitely needs to be time to think, but also say this is what you're doing. Yeah. We're having these conversations. We're bringing these people in. Like, L'Oreal did a great thing where, I mean, like, not to praise them because, like, they fucked over Monroe Bordeaux. Absolutely. But now they've got, like, a a panel of people of colour and they asked, I think, did they ask her to chair it? Uh, They've asked her to, to, to be on the diversity and inclusion advisory board so I don't think she's the chair but she's definitely on the advisory board I don't know if that's something that they've had in place before or if it's a new thing I wasn't yeah. 100% sure um but yeah they she spoke out against white supremacy like three t- 2017 like three years ago and was like everyone's inherently all white people are inherently racist um and L'Oreal were like nope sorry that just goes against our value of, of all our values of inclusivity and diversity and, and things like that and they dropped her and la- like obviously last week when everyone was posting their Black Lives Matter tiles and stuff they put up a post being like speaking out is worth it and naturally and um, rightfully Monroe lost it she was like excuse me go fuck yourselves speaking out was only worth it if I was a cis white woman uh cis white straight woman um and not if I'm you know this who I am you know a transgender black woman and she eventually she left it they didn't reach out to her 48 hours later she put up another post being like how dare you not get in touch with me to apologize and eventually um I think she spoke with them directly because she had been saying like it wasn't just about the fact that they had dropped her she said that she had a lot of trauma from it naturally as you would because she got a lot of backlash online and there's like the financial side of it as well um and obviously the heartache she was their first transgender model um and the pain of having to deal with having been dropped for being so passionate about something and something that she was already pretty upset about um but eventually they brought her back um onto their diversity and inclusion board um which is a good thing but also brands need to be so aware and I can see this even in the Irish media of um people who've been you know like posting their tiles and saying they're good you know black lives matter and then they're like deleting comments that black people believe like I I tried to say this to you before why won't you listen why are, are you still not listening to us yeah um and then trying to backtrack like there there needs to be well some people yes you may need to be um I think everyone at this point kind of like you need to be on board with this like there's no we're, there's no going back from this at all no. um and I think brands definitely need to be more um outward about what they're going to do to make these changes because people with money big corporations like that like they have money and power to hiring people yeah and to even have the diversity and inclusion boards um in the first place like Hayley Williams she has 2.5 million followers on Instagram and she gave her account over to the four girls I think it's I don't know if it's four or five girls um who organized the uh Black Lives Matter protest in Nashville and like 20,000 people showed up and it was just these four girls they have an Instagram account I think it's called teens.4.equality um like she gave their account over to them and like let them post everything they wanted about like to educate people 
on race and white supremacy and they got, she got so much backlash and they ended up deleting all the posts but Hayley put them back up and she was like no I don't care about losing fans if you're all gonna be racist um which is that's exactly how you should be using your privilege and using yeah. your platform yeah I think actually um Cassidy Pope posted something about Black Lives Matter like more than just a tile she posted something else and the fucking like the amount of people be like you lost a fan Cassidy and she's like I don't give a shit yeah like, I just okay. I can't I can't imagine seeing somebody be like wow I honestly think maybe we shouldn't be racist and they're like oh god not a fan of you anymore was that person supposed to go oh no I'm sorry I will not I will no longer be anti-racist like what yeah. did you expect to happen here I don't know. Like, it's just, it's really deeply fucking entrenched. It is bizarre, because I think one of the girls from Little Mix, uh, Leanne, Leanne, I think it was, she spoke about racism, and then she was like, I'm not afraid of losing racist fans. I'm like, did, did they not realise that you were black this whole time? Like, why is it only when you're speaking <laughs> out against people hating on your existence that they're like, oh no, that that's too much for me now? Like, it's the thing, though. It's it's like, it's the it's the discrimination, like, prejudice thing. You know, people are like, oh, I don't, I don't like, you know, I don't like feminists or whatever. And then they're like, oh, but I don't mean you. It's like, that's the, th- that's the thing, like, on, on a race level. Like, when people say, oh, like, it's, it's like, when people go on a bit, like, in America, like, oh, the Mexicans coming in and stealing our jobs. And it's like, you're talking to a Mexican person, and they're like, oh, but I don't mean you. And you're like, but you do. It's just, yeah. you have, like, you've conceptualized, I think this is the, this is part of the problem. People have conceptualized this boogeyman that comes in and, like, steals your jobs and, like, takes everything. Ireland has a really fucking big, I mean, we're just xenophobic as well as racist. Yeah. Because, like, if oh, it's definitely. not black people, it's Polish people. Like, also largely fucking white. Like, and but it's, it's just, that's how, that is how Ireland operates. And I'm sick of seeing people say, Ireland's not a racist country. You're like, no, it, it is. It really is. Like, desperately so. Mm-hmm. And we need to cop the fuck on. Um, actually, earlier when you were saying about, um, people saying to your friend that, like, oh, you're a white black person, uh, Jordan actually made a point about this. And he said that, um, when he he got into punk because he was into skating and then he you know he started kind of hanging out in punk scenes and people kept saying to him that like oh you're like a white black guy but it was like they were saying it to him because they thought like this will make you feel more included in the scene and he's like no no I'm black and I'm punk and that's okay like I'm a black punk that is, that is what I am like you yeah. don't need to you don't need to be like oh you're actually white and I think that's like it's like a really misguided really ridiculous like you know you must fit in like we are a subculture that's all about not fitting in so therefore you must fit in and to fit in you must be a white black guy and it's like no but I think that is like a very universal experience where people stupidly think this is how you make people feel included but this is actually brings me to a really interesting point um if I do say so myself (laughs) Uh, so remember last week so um Again, if you're not from Ireland, you may not be aware that we have a thing called direct provision, which is where uh, asylum seekers and refugees can come into. Like, So we accept asylum seekers and refugees into Ireland um, and they're supposed to go to a centre. Well, I don't know. I actually don't, don't know what's happening. Are they being processed? Are there papers? Are there... Just, you know, processed. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So they're being processed. Um, they're supposed to stay there for like maximum six months. Some people have been staying in these really fucking god awful centers for like upwards of seven, eight years. They're not allowed to work. Um, they're given like they're not allowed to cook for themselves. They're given really shitty food. There's like really horrible rules around it. So like you're not allowed to have extra food if you're hungry and stuff. Like it's basically prison. Um, yeah. and I think in the last like week or so, people have suddenly gone, "We have what here?" Like people just aren't aware. 
or if they are aware they weren't listening like they you know they like they just weren't listening enough before um so there was a big drive last week to email um politicians to go like can you fucking sort this out please this is like this is part of black lives matter there are a lot of black people in direct provision fucking Mm -hmm. fix it um so i like me and my friends emailed people so like all of the local councillors like sorry all the local tds in my area are all um like Sinn Féin Green Party and then some of the independent parties as well so they're all naturally like yes yeah. we should probably get rid of this um a friend of mine had a Fianna Fáil which is again if you're not reminded they're a conservative party and um, we have two conservative parties that are the same party um, yeah. but they have different names it's just they're the same they're just but they're very different but they're the same, they're the same. <laughs> so she got an email back from a Fianna Fáil guy and like in the email we were like going you need to support you need to denounce what Trump's doing you need to support Black Lives Matter in America um you need to end direct provision and you need to think about like racism in our own country and he replied back saying like oh you know this is a really good point and then he kind of went on about like travelers a little bit which is great because that wasn't in the original email so it's like good you were aware of like the issues of discrimination of ethnic minorities in our own country that's good and then he went on to say that like we really need to focus on um projects that will allow for integration i don't know about you but the word integration to me means act like me which yeah, means and it's and I, as well it's othering and it's it's saying basically like racism wouldn't happen and like discrimination wouldn't happen if everybody just acted like white people it's like to me integration like isn't like you can say that like i'm trying to think of a good example of like a culture that's very like a mixed culture and i can't because i just i like i just i'm like what what is a good example of this there isn't but i just think like the way we because like, i helped her write the email back to him and we basically said that when you have a minority culture and you have a white culture the burden is always going to be on the minority culture to assimilate with the white culture and not the white people to go, oh, hey, what is your culture about? This is really interesting. How can we facilitate this? Because that is never going to happen in a country like this where people are using the words integration and they're also in fucking government. Like, <laughs> this is the thing. And like, it was just the, the integration and not really understanding what is being asked for that like, this is the problem. Um, Because earlier in the conversation, Jason said something about oh that like he feels like he has to dilute down his own culture that like there are things that he can't do in his white neighborhood that like when he goes back home because he's from Inglewood that like you could do there like he could play music really loud and nobody will say anything to him whereas he's like here it's like it's seen as like a thing of blackness that he's not allowed to do and I thought that was really interesting because I'd never thought about it like this before obviously being white um but he said that like he feels like he has to turn down his culture a bit even though he's choosing to come in and share with white people because like obviously if you are in the punk scene the alternative scene at the moment it is majorly consumed by white people and he's sharing it with people um because he would choose to share it rather than have them take it like it makes more sense for him to share it than to take it but like he thinks that people are just afraid of like black what blackness really is so what ends up happening is that people consume the bits of blackness that they feel is acceptable to them and then I, I then I feel like that kind of brings in the point of like the expectation is that you integrate. Yeah. That if you be part of direct version. Sorry, I was just thinking, I was like, what is a really good example of this? Fucking Fresh Prince of Bel Air. 
Oh, yeah. Because, like, the whole thing about Will is that, like, he doesn't act like how all these people act when he's in Bel Air mm-hmm. compared to how he acted at home. And the expectation was always that he would stop behaving the way that he did and he'd go to this fancy school and he would behave in this, like, this acceptable, socially acceptable mm-hmm. way that, like, it would mean the family got respected and stuff. And I think that's a really fucking good example. Also, I just keep thinking as well about all the shows featuring black people that have been talking about these same things for fucking years like when was like that was fresh prince was what 30 years ago oh my god like 30 years ago and then yeah. there was that, that scene in like one of the episodes where he's driving the car and he gets pulled over and is like accused of stealing the car remember that i haven't seen it you've never I seen watched, like, the, i watched like the first few episodes and then i just never got back into it this is your homework Go <laughs> because it's still culturally relevant today yeah. but I think that, that like that is kind of like that's where the integrate like people kind of expect that like you know you can be here but you have to and I, I just I hate that attitude I hate the fact that that came from somebody who's in a position of power in our country as well like integration even if that's not what he meant again it comes back to intent and impact you can intend to be nice but the impact is that you are racist or you yeah. can intend to be nice but the impact is that you're making somebody smaller or like shutting them down or pushing them down and forcing other people people to it just gives them agency I guess to behave in a way I just it's really distressing having people say these things and you're like oh you're really well-meaning and we went back with an email explaining this to him and he just went oh thanks for your further comments and you're like that's you you noped out of that conversation because you were told you were wrong yeah and this is like white people to white people like you know this is like if you can't even listen to somebody like how are you supposed to run a country if you can't listen to minority like our suggestions were fucking go talk to the minority groups like talk to mazi talk to merge talk to like black pride ireland talk to all these faces that are springing up going hey we're here and we're listening i'm like, sorry no we're here and we're talking can you just listen to us like that's all they have to do maybe arrange to go talk to people in direct vision and find out what they need and mm. they're just like we don't know integrate or whatever like it's just oh it's really frustrating that is awful I mean even in in terms of direct provision I mean I follow um this this Instagram account I think uh it's called our table um and they basically they highlight the fact that when you're in direct provision you can't cook for yourself so there's people who were born who have moved to Ireland as you know young kids and or even were born in direct provision I know there there is kids who have been born in direct provision and they haven't like food is such a big cultural thing for a lot of black people that one they their their parents have never got a chance to cook their their traditional meals from their kids or the kids have never tasted their parents cooking or that part of the culture that's so important and I think with if you are um like a black person you're coming to Ireland one of the things that you can really hold on to and bring with you as part of your culture is your food because it's something that you can create at home for your family um you may not be able to bring like other parts of your culture you know I mean in in terms of your environment but that's definitely one thing and there's so many people in direct vision who are um not able to experience that and that's so terrible to think that like I could I, I couldn't even imagine growing up never having tasted my mother's cooking like it's just it's just something that you take for granted so much that you grew up with that privilege of being able to do these things and and, and embrace your own culture that way what is Irish culture when it comes to food I don't know plain chicken I don't know it's just so this is actually a really interesting point because I've been reading about um like food culture in America and you know the way like when people are like oh I'm Irish I'm eating corned beef and cabbage and we're like what the fuck is that it's yeah but 
the interesting thing about it is that these are all Irish Americans who moved to America and the closest yeah. thing that they could access was food that came from Jewish communities because they ended up mixing in with Jewish communities that were already established in New York and Boston, like everywhere along the the coast, like the East Coast where they all settled. And I was like, that makes a lot of fucking sense because it ends up being like a shared cultural thing that like these are people who move from different places and they're like, well, we, we want to cook our own food. What's the closest thing we can do? So I think corned beef ended up being like a substitute for like roast beef or something because it was more accessible. Um, or you think about like Tex-Mex and like how like tech, like, yeah. So it's like that was and that didn't come from Texan white people going, oh, I want to make Mexican food. I'm going to make it whitely, though. It was literally like Mexican people were in Texas going, what the fuck am I going to make? And they but they like they found a way of doing it in a way that was close enough to like stuff from their culture um like we don't have a culture because we were taken over by the brits that's that's why we don't have a food culture we don't irish food potatoes (laughs) like stew we have stew that's about it like that's you know we don't have a food culture that is specifically our own i mean like i have american friends who are like oh i made box tea and i'm like I love box tea. I've never had box tea. What the fuck is box tea? But this, this is the thing. Like, yeah. <laughs> you're like, love a bit of box tea. <laughs> <laughs> but like, there's just like loads of like stereotypically Irish food things that I've never had because they're just oh, not. Made of it was, of course. <laughs> obviously. But like, it's just there's stereotypical Irish food things that I've never had because they're they're just, you don't go into a restaurant and they're not like, oh, here's our box tea. Like, it's not. We've got like, you know, chicken nuggets and chips the same way as everyone else does. Yeah. Um, but it's the same thing, like, you know, when you see a recipe for, like, carbonara and it contains, like, cream and stuff and, like, Italians are like, no. But it's because it's exactly. Italian-Americans who, like, this was the easiest thing for them to do or, like, this is the most accessible thing for them to do. So it's, like, food culture is really fucking interesting. And I think it's a really important thing to i just i've seen fo- those photos during the rounds of food that people are being served in direct provision. And it's just, like, institutionalized bollocks. It, it looks like a tray from, uh, like, a prison. It, it does I mean like when I was I was in hospital for five weeks a few years ago and like the food you got served was just fucking like nobody ate it because like there'll be days you get like a plate of cabbage and like other stuff and you're just yeah and like you're like because it's not like it's not it like smells it's, funny and... yeah and it's like this is boiled cabbage that hasn't been like nicely cooked with some uh, yeah so the, the, <laughs> you're looking at it going okay I was there for five weeks and that was horrible but I could also go and like buy stuff from the shop yeah. You know, and like if I was hungry, I, I could have asked for more things. Whereas yeah. like indirect provision, you're not allowed to cook for yourself, even if you have the fucking capacity to. And it's just like, how can you expect people to live like that? Like this is such this is like the the thing that needs to be tackled now as we're also working through all the other things that we need to work through in our culture. Like this is just I just I can't get over the food thing, but like that's the tip of the iceberg it's the fact that like seven, yeah. seven people have to share a room and that same Fianna Fáil guy was like oh we're looking at own door policies it's like amazing wouldn't it be so nice to have your own door in a fucking prison like would you live there I don't think you would sir I got really angry in this email <laughs> I was like no would you live in this room no you wouldn't but it's like I don't know it's a whole it's a whole thing and I feel like people are really fucking motivated to get rid of it now um but like we just I just I don't know how people can say we don't have a racism problem in this country when in 2004 there was a referendum that stopped um so what happened before before 2004 if you were um from a different country and you came into Ireland and you had a child here that child was an automatic citizen citizen of Ireland now there are kids who were 12 13 14 who were born here who are like they're threatening to deport them 
back to like the countries that their parents came from they've never been to because they've never left the country and you're like how can you possibly justify like the concept of borders man I just like you know arbitrary it is that like you were born somewhere and you live there and then like nobody else is allowed to come in you have to fight like this is like ridiculous like money is a construct borders are a construct whiteness is a construct like it just it we live in this society that like where people cannot think beyond what is normal for them Mm. like we have to keep focused on the fact that a few years ago it was it was normal for gay people not to be able to get married in this country like a few years before that it was normal for like black people not to be allowed to sit wherever they want on a bus like it's just like the shit that you think is normal now you just have to interrogate it because somebody created this somebody made this up this came from somebody's head and people went oh, this is probably a good idea like it's everything is like the world is not real like, <laughs> it's all a construct it's all a big construct and um, let's talk about bands before i implode <laughs> <laughs> Tell us about some of the bands. So the first one, these are these are bands, I guess, that we have. Some of them we've heard before, some of them we haven't. Um, that we wanted to kind of present to you, um, so you can diversify your your iPod, your Spotify playlist, whatever it is. Um, maybe it's your Apple Music playlist, which Courtney has recently moved to. I hate um, it. It's so hard to search anything. Like your search, some of these bands as well have like one word names. I will say that these bands I find um I follow a guy called Darren will retweet the the thread on mm. our own Twitter but he like compiled a list of um bands featuring black musicians and like so many of them I was like this is amazing oh my god this is the best thing ever um and I found other bands from mining the comments on the emo night LA Twitch and, like I've just spent the last like week going through and like you know listening to new bands and discovering new things and realizing like literally I should have known about these before but mm-hmm. didn't for whatever reason so the first one we have is meet me at the altar and Courtney sent me one of their songs and was like you need to tell me tell me when exactly you decide to stand them and I was like straight away they are so good <laughs> they're really good I really like them they're like old school paramore yeah and like we like as in like it's really funny because we have before on this podcast been like oh god it's so annoying when everybody compares everybody to Hayley Williams but like this genuinely if you are a fan of Paramore you will stand these immediately so Meet Me at the Altar is um there are three women of colour um and like they only have like 5,000 followers I think it's like five and a half thousand now on Instagram but like just people have been sleeping on the, these girls like they're so good they're so yeah. good and like all their touring crew is all women as well like they have like session musicians that are women they have like their tour manager is a woman like they have female photographers and stuff and it's just like this is amazing um and like I, th- I think since in the last week a lot of people have found them I've seen them tweet stuff being like well we've got loads of new followers and that's really cool um but you need to listen to them immediately garden is their like latest single it's so fucking good it is and they have some like really amazing lyrics in there too because I feel like that's like a thing about punk music as well it's like white guys who don't know any words <laughs> my heart and that's about it yeah whereas the like this is like it's just really cool like I, every time I listen to something I'm like that's a cool word I like this is just really <laughs> clever like this is the thing it's like why haven't I heard this clever music before and I guess like I haven't been looking for it hard enough but also it's the fact that this is here and like now you have the opportunity to hear some really fucking good music because it's like it's like classic pop punk mm-hmm. like the fuck like oh you know they have like amazing bass lines really cool drum fills like it's just it's so fucking good um the next band on the list is big Joni, and um big Joni is like 
yeah I'd, how would you describe a cleaner big Tony, i would describe them as kind of like the vaccines kind of vibe like kind of a psychedelic rock kind of progressive rock thing going on yeah i yeah. think if you like the vaccines or you like um i'm trying to think about the bands like tame and parlor kind of saying to them as well yeah there are three uh, black women from london um i just really i think it's really like nice and mellow like if it's is up it's obviously not pop punk it's like it's far more mellow but it is alternative like it's it's got kind of a rocky vibe to it it's just it's really fucking cool so the next up we have um tulips band um it's spelled t-x-l-i-p-s um they have a new ep out it's called queens of the new age and um it's yeah it's like kind of a magic rock i guess I think that was like your word for Clara. Like it's like um it's I, I want to say vibey. I don't know. I'm really bad at explaining what music sounds like, but it's like the I'm music is kind of like sweetheart like um sweetheart like high school prom vibes. Yes. Like it, it just has that kind of like it has kind of like a shoegazy old school emo kind of vibe to it a little bit. Like it's like kind of veering into more classic sort of like mellow rock. I guess we're so bad at this. <laughs> Hi, we're two white people with a podcast. <laughs> meet, <laughs> meet these bands we can't describe. <laughs> uh, but again, this is... Wait, you're going to uh, know what you're saying. Let's go listen to them. Yeah, um, the next band is Voden, and they are, um, again, uh, featuring black musicians, but it's it's rock, but with like a really tribal sort of theme to it. Yeah, I was just looking at their album cover. It looks really cool. Yeah. It is like more like classic rock kind of. It like is. That it, kind of sounds metally. it sounds like what every metal band in the eighties wanted to it's like, be. It's like yeah, it's like hair. Well, yeah, exactly. It's like hair metal, I guess. Um, like it is. I don't know. It's really fucking cool. Anyway, um, I haven't listened to that much of it, but I'm like, this is just awesome. It's just stuff that like I just I wouldn't. We'd never have been exposed to. Because, like, I think when people talk about classic rock or they talk about hair metal, they talk about whatever, like, you're really stuck on, like, metal is only Marilyn Manson or Sipknot or whatever. Like, this is this is the only, like, rock music you get really get to listen to. Like, this is, I just, yeah, I think that's really cool. Um, so it's Vodun, V-O-D-U-N. And we're going to post a whole list of this on our Instagram. Um, we'll have a playlist as well with all this music in it so you can do your own discovery um another band is called rebelmatic Um, the song i'd kind of listen to from them is don't shoot uh so they have a new song out as well do they yeah it came out on the 3rd of june it's called insult to injury huh i'm like i think the feel i got from rebelmatic is like it's like kind of a classic brit rock thing Mm. like it kind of has that kind of vibe to it so like if that's kind of thing you're into amazing um generals of monrovia are the next band um and i listened to based on a true story they really remind me of rise against in a lot of ways i actually kind of hate going hey this band reminds me of this band that's still from this thing <laughs> if you like this white band you will like this thing but it is like the best way i can describe it it's that kind of like rise against kind of feel um and then we had pleasure venom really fucking good it's like it's it's like got very punky drums i think like it's just it's it's like just listen to the playlist this is amazing <laughs> yeah i really like that one the other one then is death death okay so this is really cool i, I read the name it's very emo i read a wikipedia page about death so this is um somebody had recommended death on the page um or the the thread that um darren had posted and um, so death were an american rock band from detroit um and they're like 
property like they were a funk band and then they saw the who play and they were like we can fucking do that and they did and it's so good like it is so fucking good you listen to it and it's like really classic like 70s rock but like with soul like it's 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 so good and it's like this is the shit that we should have this is the stuff that we should have been exposed to is like small emos this is the stuff um it's really fucking good. So, like, they've been described as, like, a proto-punk band because, obviously, this is before punk even fucking happened. Again, why didn't this come up in our punk history? <laughs> why is everything so white? Like, I don't understand. I do understand supremacy. Um, um, so, the, the next band that was recommended was a band called The Deers. They're a Canadian indie rock band from Quebec. And they, like, it's like a swing jazz kind of thing. So, if you've ever liked... I don't know, Claudia, give me <laughs> give me something it reminded you of. Um they kind of sounded a bit like um like oh I can't even think of the name. You know that band that sings she's so lovely. She's lovely. Scouting for girls. Scouting <laughs> <laughs> for girls. Yeah, what a comparison. <laughs> oh my god. Okay. <laughs> Two white people on a podcast. There is like a little like I don't know like listen to the song on the playlist like seriously this is the bit where you actually go and do the work and you listen to these songs because they are really good and you're missing out if you don't if you haven't heard them it's really really good um obviously going back to the um the conversation that we were discussing in the first place um issues of you like I have I've slept on issues so bad they yeah. have a single out this year um and i just like why 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 wasn't i listening systemic racism that's why um like it just it, i feel like they just never crossed my radar though yeah i think i've kind of gotten into the habit of assuming that every rock band was just white people unless somebody showed me a photo of them i'm just like yeah that's white dudes honestly same yeah i've heard them before but i kind of just I, I feel like i've heard them before um but again it's the same sort of thing like you just assume that it's another white band yeah and they are not so I spent some time this morning listening to them going oh shit you're an idiot um so issues get on that that's that's important the heart like war so Jordan Calhoun who was on that conversation um his band is called heart like war did you ever get sick of blink and he wanted to listen to something that's kind of like blink but isn't because it's not three white guys who are doing the same thing for the last like 35 years listen to heart like war (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> this is like this is like I, I think meet me at the altar and heart like war if you are a pop punk fiend these are the things that you're going to really get into i think you will like pleasure venom as well if that's your thing if you're into more mellow things like big Joni, um the deers and actually probably death as well despite the name death sounds very like death wife metal band wife <laughs> wife metal band I don't know how to talk anymore. Death sounds like something that like a Norwegian white metal band would would come up with, but it's not. They're three black dudes. Like that's that's what that is. Um, like fucking listen to this. And also issues is like it's not really pop punk, but it's like in that kind of kind of veering into metal a little bit. Like it's it's really cool. Like it is it it's kind of punky. I don't know. And um, the last band on our list that we have is Wacko. Somebody recommended them in the comment section of the Twitch conversation um they seem to they're from LA okay and they're like old school experimental punk basically they like they've been around for a little while and then this like white kid decided I really like this band I'm gonna book out at Denny's 
and they're going to perform in Denny's. So they paid to like reserve this venue where like come play a show. So they did, and all these punk kids like sm- this is like last year. They smashed up the Denny's, and the kid who booked it like had to pay like eighteen hundred dollars for damages to this oh, Denny's. No. God. But like it's also cool because you listen to it and it's just it's like it's fucking like rageful proper punk. Like it's really fucking good. Um like <laughs> one of those uh what is this one? The song is called like cruelty uh manipulation meaninglessness. Like it's just it's proper, like it's like really encapsulates the actual core of what punk was supposed to be. This like like anarchy and anger and uprising and like fighting them out and like this is yeah I just I love the fact that like this story happened a year ago so they smashed up a Denny's and somebody that, else, cool. somebody, that is it is cool that's punk rock that's what punk rock is um also like you know it's only Denny's it's fine <laughs> it's fine um, so I think that kind of brings us to our last section, which is talking about like the people that are in bands. And I think this is a conversation that I have been observing from afar, which mm-hmm. is the idea of a lot of mixed race people feel like they can't speak up at the moment um, or are dealing with their own issues of like being white passing. So like benefiting from white supremacy, but also being a victim of racism, which must like, again, I have no idea. I have no concept of this. I've only been watching these conversations happening. Um, and I think that's kind of all you can really do is be aware of the fact that this is happening. Um, a thing that I did keep seeing was that when Fall Out Boy were posting stuff about Black Lives Matter or about donating money or about doing stuff, people were like, oh, I'm, I'm so glad that these white guys are speaking up. And you're like, are you people aware that Pete Wentz has a Jamaican mother? Like, did, like <laughs> please. This is something I only learned recently as well. I, I, I don't know, you just... I just and then I seen the pic. I was like, "There's no way." And then I seen the picture of him with his mom as a as a baby, and I'm like, "Oh my god, yeah, I can see it." Like, not that I can see it, but you can see it. You can. You're like, "Oh my god!" Like, how come I've never noticed that before? How, why isn't that something I knew about him before? And I think it's it's because a lot of this music is really fucking whitewashed. Like, this is the thing. Like, it it literally is like it's it's is exactly what Jason said that it's like a wash over a construct. Mm-hmm. That like it's assumed that only a white guy could write whiny love songs so that's all that was happening like that's the that's the thing and I think people don't really think about the fact that like Travi McCoy has a Haitian father like that's uh, Travi from Jim Class Heroes um I guess probably one of the only people in the scene that I'm aware of and again I'm saying this as a white person who hasn't been paying close enough attention before correct me if I'm fucking wrong and like you know because I probably am but um Halsey is like the only person I've ever seen speaking up publicly about being biracial and like what that means for mm. her um and I think these are like really again like as white people it's really uncomfortable to be privy to these conversations because we have no again we have no idea what this feels like but I do think it's really important to be aware of the like it's not just that people aren't in the scene it's like what happens when they are in the scene mm. what, are, what are our attitudes and like it's really important that it's not that you're treating people differently. It's that you're not just assuming whiteness. I think it's like the same thing. It's like, if you don't assume whiteness, you don't assume straightness, you don't assume people's gender, you don't assume that people are able-bodied. It makes life a lot easier for everybody mm-hmm. that you're not like, you're not just making assumptions about everything pretty much. Like I think that genuinely yeah. is like, if you don't make these assumptions, you don't harm people because you're letting them tell you this information if they want to, or you're letting them express themselves in whatever way is important. And um, so I think Halsey is kind of like, she centered 
the fact that she considers herself black like three years ago um and like there's been a lot of talk around like privilege and stuff that again is just like this is not our conversation to have so like there's nothing there's nothing to debate about this for us like there's nothing to discuss it's just like we need to be aware that this is there are people in the scene just not very fucking many of them um and that they've been whitewashed and there are other like people of color within like the main scene like ray toro is puerto rican Mm-hmm. Uh, Jack Barakat is Lebanese. Um, Jimmy Urin is uh, Latino, and then like you've got like like random bands like One Okay Rock are Japanese, and then there's like Crossfaith who are Japanese as well. And there's all these bands that it's like it's in- incidental that like people have heard of them. Yeah, I guess, but we're not really paying close enough attention to the language around this area. I guess I, I don't know. Do you get what I'm saying? I get what you mean in terms of like as well like if we even think about like even trying to think of bands that aren't just made up of solely white men or white people it it like there's more that are coming to mind the more I think about it like Elliot Minor there's a, a Japanese guy in Elliot Minor um there is an African-American man in uh, the Friday Night Boys who were like one of my fave like shit emo bands <laughs> they're like they're like all-time low but like I like them. <laughs> um, the like, shade. The shade. Um, but no, they're, they're good friends at all time though. And like, the more you kind of, like, I knew Jack Barkat was Lebanese, but I never really thought about it. Like, I always just seen him as like this white American man and there's not really awareness. And I don't know if it's because, again, like, have these people felt comfortable about talking about their their race and their heritage and, and, and things like that, or like what it, like, why why aren't these conversations happening and it's not up to to them to answer to white people either but I mean just in terms of visibility and like even knowing the Halsey you know because she is a white passing person even just knowing that about her um like to to just see into that is so interesting in terms of like it's just not a conversation that's going on really and in music especially um and I think as Halsey as a woman as well she kind of has to fight for her for her place too to to have a voice um because it can be it can be a really male-dominated place and we know we've said before emo music and alternative music and music in general I guess is is a a very misogynist place and still is um yeah I think that's very interesting that she you know she says she looks like a white girl but she doesn't feel like one yeah. and it's like we who are we to fucking say otherwise which is by the way a totally different scenario to i don't know if you've seen the rachel divide on, oh my god on, <laughs> that that's a totally different scenario you can't just yeah yeah <laughs> i think yeah it's just it's just a totally different thing oh my god karen you can't just be <laughs> like just oh yeah that's a whole other thing <laughs> um yeah no it, it is like I think this is just it's it's important to be aware of it and to listen to when people are talking about it that like this is a conversation um like Jason as well like he's his mother is white and like he's talked about it in music he's talked about it publicly like he like he has a whole thing about how he was like too black for the white guys but too white for the black guys and it's like it yeah. is a real it's another problem and like it's another problem in terms of how we as white people communicate and assume and treat people and it, it, it comes down to that thing of like oh well you're like a white black guy like stop that stop fucking doing that to people that's stupid yeah, yeah. <laughs> like remember actually that used to be a thing where you'd refer to people as like maltesers and stuff yeah 
yeah like that's like, horrible thing in the yeah. fucking worst like that used to be like a really common thing and I, I, I don't know how people just took this on the chin for so long I really I really don't like I just and the fact that people are still willing to like put and this is the thing like the, the thing about this conversation is the fact that unlike all of the books that have been written and all of the activists that are still speaking and everybody that has taken the time to speak up about something whether that's disability or trans issues or just general racism or like microaggressions or their place in the beauty industry or like whatever it is the fact that people still have the energy to talk about these things and have taken the time to do this and there are people still going I don't know what to do it's like oh my god like <laughs> pay attention so yeah like what we kind of hope from this episode I guess is that if even one of you goes away and like reads a book or like looks at somebody's Instagram page and like takes something away from it that's yeah that's that's a good start I hope that we've um, helped evoke some thoughts as well um to how you kind of I guess what you think about different things and how you interact with different uh, social injustices um and I guess the message the message of this podcast is black lives matter mm-hmm. fucking kind to people don't mm-hmm. assume um educate yourself mm-hmm. and stay emo stay emo and make emo great again like at the end of the day emo is <laughs> make emo great again <laughs> emo music right is all about the outsiders and people who are cast aside and who don't have you know feel like outsiders and I think we as emo should know that that we are we should open up our arms to everyone yeah and this seems so basic and so like 1960s like yes we should do this that and the other but it's just at the end of the day we really need to go back to basics on this and realize that people are complex um humans are complex and as well in take in, in taking like if you hear a song on the radio like yes it's a song like you know whatever it might be healthy or whatever but sometimes you just forget that there's a whole person a whole culture and a whole life behind that as well um so hopefully um this podcast has somehow helped you if you have any thoughts questions concerns like do get in touch with us and let us know um our email address is Kids from yesterday pod at kids from yesterday podcast at gmail.com. No. Kids from yesterday pod at gmail.com. Yeah. Um and get in touch with, with your thoughts. Um as long as they're nice thoughts. Yeah. Have have no racism. Good thoughts. Good thoughts. Um we don't obviously encourage you to send us anything that is discriminatory or racist in any form oh no that will not be fucking tolerated don't even don't even try um like this is the thing like if you have genuine questions or you want to know more stuff um also like don't be afraid because we have just said that like if we've said something wrong we've done that we i know for a fact we have said something wrong in this Mm -hmm. podcast and like or we haven't expressed what we meant properly yeah and this is probably going to hurt somebody I think this is the thing like you just have to be aware and like try your hardest um if you fuck up you learn not to do that again and you learn very quickly not to do that again this is That's very it. much we fucked up yeah well this is the thing we've probably fucked up we're going to continue to fuck up um 
and all we can do is listen and like especially as like it doesn't like somebody doesn't have to necessarily call us out we're just going to keep paying attention to like what things we should and shouldn't have said and that's all you can do it's like learning like I learned during the week that like in Britain they generally use BAME as like a shorthand for people of color um, but they were like some black people including Maori black men were saying like this is a terrible acronym because you're just lumping together like it, it, it's still centrist whiteness because BAME it's black Asian and minority ethics um, yeah. and all it's doing is centering the idea that there's white people and then there's everybody else and that's wrong so it's like you can use people of colour when you're talking about like different ethnicities together and then you can say like uh, like non-black people of colour to like specify that you don't mean black people and if you mean black people say black people if you mean asian people say asian people and it's just like learning to change your language to not be afraid like you can say this you can say like that as a black person um because i think there's still like a fear around like oh you can't point out somebody's skin color you're like well we're kind of past this now <laughs> we're kind of past this. i think as well to say oh i don't see color it's to erase somebody's experience courtney's going <laughs> it's, just... to, it's, it's erasing somebody's experience and while you might mean that in your genuine in your genuine heart and I would be one of these people who thought oh I don't see skin color in terms of like I'm not gonna not talk to this person because they're black or I'm not or I'm going to treat them differently because of the color of their skin that you know you need to be able to acknowledge that yes you are a black person I see you I understand you I know that you've got um possibly you've been traumatized by everything that's going on and you and you're have are used to having racial microaggressions and just know that I will be here and stand up with you and call it out and I think that's another thing as well that we need to actually start calling it out when we see people and hear people in our friend groups um saying things that they may not mean and we may be afraid to but at the end of the day I would much rather somebody call me out and say hey do you know that that that, that's not actually the right way to do this or say that or you shouldn't say that because of x y and z instead of somebody just not saying anything to me um and there's definitely been times in the past where I've done really fucking awful things in terms of and we all have we we really all have in terms of like whether it's something like you learn not to call people whores and sluts and you don't use the word prostitute anymore because they're the things that are in your in your as a white person white woman they're the things that were in my um spectrum of things that I see as injustices but when you go outside that you you start to learn more and more and I think that's so important to just do it start working from home in, in terms we're all working from home now but I mean, in terms <laughs> of whatever your um whatever angers you most in the world take it and look at it from the perspective of um a black person or take it and look at it from the perspective of a trans person or a disabled person and that way you'll slowly learn to see things from other people's perspectives too yeah totally and I think that's a really fucking good message and also like if you start calling your friends out or people you know out and they're like, but I'm not racist. Like, don't take that as like a shut up. Like, I'm not saying like go in and be like, you're a fucking racist. Like, you just that's n- nobody's ever like it's never gonna work. I mean, you can be angry, um, and you can be forceful about like getting the point across. But like, um, there are guides on like how to talk to people about race and stuff that we will also be sharing. But it's like people have people have made guides on like how to talk to your family about race. And it's like really the main thing is like if somebody is saying something racist, all you have to do is get like one point across, like one aspect that maybe they're not sure about. And if you can get them to be like, well, if you consider this and if they do, then then you have succeeded. Mm -hmm. Uh, But it really has to be a case of not being afraid to open up those conversations and to have them with your white friends or like if somebody says something. I mean, like the thing is, like I didn't know that about BAME as a as a um, 
Yeah. I actually I actually only came across that um, acronym today. I don't know what I was reading. Um, I and I seen it. I think it was uh, Emma Debiri. Her new book is coming out in the in the states, but they like renamed it. I think I was reading like the blurb or something on that, and it, I think that was where I seen it. I'm not 100 sure. Um, but I didn't I didn't know what it was, and now obviously I've learned I've learned what the word is. I've learned what it means. I've learned not to use it. <laughs> It was a very fast process. Like some people of color don't mind it. Like it's just I have seen a lot of black people saying like they're they're fed up of this being a thing because it feels to them like so it's just like being conscious of where you can use these phrases and where is the safe place to use them and like where because like again like one black person is not representative of everybody just like one white person isn't representative of ever everybody thank the fucking lord because like (laughs) that would be terrible um but it, it is just like being really socially conscious of where you're using phrases if somebody who is black uses BAME you can also use that there in that space too it's just really really being aware of where you using words and what the impact like it's just constantly being aware of impact versus intent that's what we want impact versus intent fuck white supremacy all cops are bastards um black lives matter (laughs) all actions of consequences be more emo um and uh yeah that's it and subscribe to our podcast. <laughs> subscribe to our podcast. Send us a message across our various uh, platforms. We are kids from yesterday pod at gmail.com on Facebook and on Instagram and on Twitter. We are kids from Y Day Pod and we will be tweeting and posting on Tumblr. Oh, we're also on Tumblr, kids from yesterday pod. And um, we will post things for you to consume and for you to start learning from. If you haven't started already, I'm sure you probably have. If you've clicked on this podcast, you've started trying to learn. Yeah. Um, which is kind of the main point. This is what we wanted. This is what we're using our space for. Um, I really want to, for some reason, I just want to go stay sexy and don't get murdered. This is not that podcast. <laughs> That's already a thing. Don't be racist. Stay sexy yeah. and anti-racist. Yes. Out. Done. <laughs>